Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. When I was a child, one of my fondest memories is of listening to music in our living room with my family. And before there were the Doobie Brothers and the Everly Brothers and the Righteous Brothers, there were the Smothers Brothers. (laughs) Some of you remember the Smothers Brothers? Yes, yes, they were wonderful. Uh, We would sing along with them. And uh, there was, uh, I believe it was on their second album, uh, the first cut of their second album was a song titled Chocolate. Anybody remember the song Chocolate? It was about a, about a lad who, uh, who fell into a vat of chocolate. Lolly doodum, lolly doodum day. Uh, and his brother says, well, what did you do when you fell into the chocolate? Lolly doodum, lolly doodum day. And then they had this little discussion about how he happened to have fallen into this vat of chocolate and, and, uh, and, and how he just fell right in. And his brother kept pressing him. He says, well, ultimately, what did you do? He said, well, when I fell into the vat of chocolate, I yelled, fire. And his brother asked him, tell me why did you yell, fire? When you fell into the vat of chocolate, he said, I yelled fire when I fell into the vat of chocolate because I didn't think anybody would save me if I yelled chocolate. I guess you had to be there. (laughs) The point, the point is when people yell fire, you get two reactions. Some run away and some run toward to, to combat these, that whole fight-or-flight uh, uh, men- mentality. And, and I find it interesting that sometimes we use words for self-serving purposes, and other times we use words for benevolent purposes, and sometimes we use words just to manipulate people. Words are very, very important especially when those words come from the mouth of a teacher. Now, if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the third chapter of the book of James. Remember, James is our midterm exams as followers of Jesus. James is helping us to take a hard look at ourselves And the faith we claim to have, does our faith actually make a difference in our lives, or are we just giving it lip service? If you get my word on Wednesday, you will have noted in there that I referred to this passage as a frightening passage of Scripture. Uh, And it is a passage of Scripture that I think about almost every single day, believe it or not. Listen to the first 12 verses of this 
third chapter of James. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he or she says, they are perfect, able to keep the whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And it is is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by humanity. But no one, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse one another who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, my sisters, can fig trees bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that as such we shall incur a more strict judgment. When we speak, we teach. And what does our speech teach others? Our speech, and I am including all of us in this at this moment, our speech reflects our theology. When we talk about what is meaningful to us, what shapes our lives, what informs our worldview, how we view the world and what's going on, we are teaching others what we believe at all times. And the consistency or the lack thereof 
is what is most challenging for us. I love this idea that uh, uh, is actually centuries old uh, about the Word of God existing in threefold. Some say that it goes back, you can trace this back to, uh, uh, to Martin Luther. Uh, I certainly know that Karl Barth uh, hung on to it as well in the, uh, in the 20th century. But back in the, back in the 16th century, uh, 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 Martin Luther talked about it as well, that the Word of God exists in three forms. We have, of course, the Word of God, which is right here. But in here, we read that in the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So in very real terms, Jesus Christ is the Word of God, the living Word of God. That's the second manifestation of the Word of God. The third manifestation of the Word of God, apart from the written Word and the incarnate Word, is the spoken Word. The Word preached. Now, I myself have listened to preachers and as I was listening to them, felt very, very convicted that God was speaking to me through them. Some of you have shared that same experience, and I need to tell you how humbling that is. I remember early on in my, uh, uh, in, in, in my studies when I was learning how to preach, I'll never forget uh, uh, one of my instructors uh, telling me, you know what, David, some weeks are going to be harder than others in ministry, and you're not going to be able to devote as much time as you would like to have devoted into developing your sermon on Sunday morning. And you're going to wake up on Sunday morning, and you're going to look at your sermon, and you're going to think, oh my gosh, this sermon is a dog. <laughs> and you know what he told us? He says, you get out there on Sunday morning and you walk that dog proudly. <laughs> and I got to tell you, folks, that there's something that goes on in this moment of me proclaiming the word of God that transcends anything that I could ever do to prepare for this moment. Because there have been times when, when, uh, when I have preached a sermon, and I thought, yeah, boy, that was a home run. And I got nary a word from anybody on the way out. <laughs> and then the opposite is true, where those times when I had that dog, and I went out there, and I walked that dog proudly, that people would come up to me and say, Pastor, that was one of the best sermons that you've ever preached. No kidding. That was actually true. I just, I just thought about this. When, 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 a, when the group of people from Grand Memorial uh, went to Orange County to hear me preach for the very first time, when they thought, well, maybe this is somebody that we might want to take a look at to be our pastor. I'll never forget, it was, a, uh, it was a Sunday School Appreciation Day, and I was the children's pastor. And I, so I got to preach that Sunday. It was 
church of uh, 1,100 people, four pastors on staff. And uh, uh, it was the absolute worst sermon that I ever preached in my life. If my wife were here, she would concur. Uh, and the, and the, uh, the committee that was looking to evaluate me, I saw them out there. Uh, and, uh, and, and afterwards, Jody and I went home and she said, well, it just wasn't meant to be. <laughs> you were there. She, Dana was there. And, and that afternoon, we got a phone call. Hey, that was a great sermon. When can we meet again? Walk that dog proudly. So, so, <laughs> woof, woof. So here's the deal, folks. Now, this, I'm going to get back to this. So we had three manifestations of the Word of God. We have the written Word. We have the, the, the incarnate Word. And there is the proclaimed Word. But the proclaimed Word does not become the Word of God unless two things happen. It has to be authentically proclaimed. And it has to be authentically heard. The preaching moment does not become a Holy Spirit moment until both of those things happen. Which means what, folks? It means you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to accurately handle the Word of God. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. Everybody's theology is wrong somewhere including my own. Everybody's theology is wrong somewhere, including my own. If you can point out to me where my theology is in error, I will be grateful. But that means that you have to be listening. Now, when you come to me to correct my theology, which I, I, I welcome anyone to have that conversation with me. When you come to correct my theology, you need to come with the Word of God in hand. I, I, and I don't mean this unkindly, but don't come to me with your opinions because I don't care about your opinions because God doesn't care about my opinions. God cares about His Word being accurately handled by both the preacher and by the person in the pew. The church is so divided today. And why is that? You would think that if our theologies were all grounded in the Word of God, that there would be a sense of unity in the church. But unfortunately, the theology of some is influenced by other authorities. When we speak, we teach. And when we speak and teach, we teach others what it is we believe, what our theology is. The question that we all have to ask ourselves is, is our theology culturally defined or biblically defined. It goes back to understanding the authorities that are in our lives. And, and we talked about this when we went through the book of Hebrews, that there are two external authorities in each of our lives, and there are two inter internal authorities in each of our lives. They're there, own it. 
I don't want anybody to say, no, that's not true in my life because I'm here to tell you that it is true in your life. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, there are two external authorities in your life, culture and the word of God. The culture does have an influence in your life. When you buy this toothpaste or drive that car or wear these clothes, you are being influenced and manipulated by the culture. Now, the the degree to which we allow the culture to influence our lives can be mitigated if we have another authority that is over culture. And that's the word of God. And the way that we know that these two external authorities are battling in our lives is by our speech. The things we say. Oh, what a great fire can be caused by such a small spark. We have some friends here today from uh, uh, Modesto, and they said, oh, it's nice to be down here because we can breathe because of the smoke from the fires. Northern California is ablaze. It's terrible. These fires start with the smallest of spark, and lives are destroyed. But we do the same thing with our tongues. Is there a person in here today that can honestly say that they have never gossiped in their lives? Ouch. I love the idea that, that uh, great minds, great minds talk about ideas. Mediocre minds uh, talk about events, and small minds talk about other people. I have worked hard not to talk about other people. And I have this, I have this, uh, this thing. When somebody comes to me and starts talking about another, somebody comes to me and starts talking about one of the staff, uh, the first thing I say is, have you talked to that staff member yet? Well, no, I wanted to come to you. No, 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 that's not biblical. You need to go to that person first. Go to them. I'll give you 48 hours, and then I'm going to tell them that you came to me. Well, it's biblical. You go talk to that person first. Here's the deal. You can tell me anything about yourself, and I will keep it absolutely confidential. Confidentiality. Tie with pastors. Should be. But if you tell me something about somebody else, confidentiality is off the table. You come and tell me, Pastor, did you hear about so-and-so? No, tell me, and then I'm going to go tell them that you told me. Whoa, wow, 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 I don't want you to do that. I said, well, then don't tell me. Somebody in a room was talking about another person, and somebody said, what I'm going to say about this person cannot leave this room. And a pastor friend of mine said, if I hear you say it, I'm going to go right out and tell everybody that you're the one that said it. And she says, well, I guess you should leave then. And he got up and walked out. Oh, my goodness. Gossip. And we do it very subtly. Oh, we need to pray for so-and-so because... So we put this, this Christian... You know, I want you to think well of me. I'm so concerned for so-and-so because their marriage is on the rocks because, well, 
<laughs> Just stop. Just stop. Two things I ask people all the time. Two things. Please don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. And don't lie about me. Don't lie to me and don't lie about me. We'll be fine. And if you've got an issue with me, come. You know, I'm a pretty simple guy. I'm, 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 I'm open. I, I, I've got an open door policy. I know I'm not perfect. But let's have a conversation. Let's not talk about each other. And that's huge in the church. Huge. You know, people say, oh, you know that, that part in, there's that part in, uh, uh, in, in Romans where, where, where Paul really just uh, lays out the whole sexual ethic thing and, 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 and people kind of hang there. And, and I always say, did you, did you read the rest of it? Read the rest of it. Uh, see, they, they all, they all want to they all want to focus on cha- uh, verses in chapter one, verses twenty four through twenty seven. I go, no, no, keep reading, keep reading. Therefore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. What's that? You say? Oh, they become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They gossip, slander, hate God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, rude. Oh, my gosh. We all fall into that category. We all fall into that category. The tongue. One of my favorite children's sermons. Remember the box? I look forward to getting back to the box. It's a second service thing. Kids bring a box. There's something in there. It can be anything as long as it's not alive with the exception of a Bible, because the Word of God is alive. So you can put that in there. But nothing, nothing alive. I don't want anything jumping out at me. But I open it up, and whatever's in there, I, make, I turn that into a children's sermon. And, uh, and one of my favorites, it was a plant. This is when we first started, to kind of show them what to do. I put a tube of toothpaste in there, and I squeezed it. All the toothpaste comes out. And then I asked for a volunteer. Can you help me put the toothpaste back in the tube? can't be done. It's the same with the words out of our mouths. Once we speak them, you can't pull them back. And there's a, there's a decision that every single believer needs to make every single day, especially when we come, apro- come across something that is, ooh, enticing, and maybe I want to listen in and do that, or, you know, maybe how, whatever, you can fill in the blanks. Uh, uh, we, we walk around with two buckets. When we come across a fire... We have to choose which bucket we're going to use. One of those buckets is filled with water, and one's filled with gasoline, petrol. Which one are you going to throw on the fire? How great a a forest is set on fire with just a small spark. How how vast a devastation upon an an individual or a community through through a false word or a bit of slander. Are, are, are any of you familiar with Coronado happenings? Oh my gosh, that place is a cesspool. Excuse me, but it is. That is the, that is the community gossip site. I'll never forget walking in one day and somebody in the choir ran down and said, oh, Pastor David, I need to give you a hug. And I went, okay. <laughs> Why? Well, because all those mean things they said about you on Coronado Happenings. I went, really? What are you doing on Coronado Happenings? (laughs) Oops. 
I mean, the challenges are there. I recognize it. But we have to work together on this, folks, today more than ever. So we have those external authorities in our lives, and they're there whether you want to believe it or not, but there are also two internal authorities in our lives as as well, and we've got to decide which one's going to have a greater priority. One of the internal authorities in our lives is our own conscience. Don't mistake your own conscience for the work of the Holy Spirit. And how do I know the difference between the two voices? Spend time in the Word of God. Jesus says, my followers will know my voice. It's that lovely uh, two, uh, two shepherds come together with two flocks, and they, and they enter the flocks, they intermingle, and, uh, and the shepherds are talking to one another, and somebody came up and says, how are you going to separate these two flocks? <laughs> it's easy. One shepherd walked that way, the other shepherd walked this way. They were both talking at the same time, and as they walked, the sheep naturally turned and followed their shepherd. They recognize the voice of the shepherd. Do we recognize the voice of the shepherd? The internal authority. And there's a battle there. I don't know about you, but there's a battle in my, in my spirit between the Holy Spirit and my conscience. And sometimes I win, unfortunately. Sometimes. But the battle rages on, and the question is, which one is ultimately going to win? That's that old Indian uh, chief Uh, uh, wisdom where the young warrior goes to the chief and says, I feel like I have two wolves that are battling for my soul. And the chief said, absolutely, I, I know that well. And the young warrior says, can you tell me, chief, which one is going to win? And the chief says, yes, the one you feed. The one you feed is the one that's going to win. Do you feed your own conscience? Do you entertain your own heart's desires? Or do you seek to honor the Lord? We prayed it today. Thy will be done. Not my will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You might as well just replace earth and use your own name. Thy will be done in David as it is in heaven. Because if it's not, if I can't get it done in David, there's no hope for the rest of you. At least as far as, I'm, as, far as my influence goes. So we have, these, we have these, these authorities, both internal and external, and we need to prioritize them. We need to prioritize the Holy Spirit as an internal authority over our own conscience, and we need to, we need to prioritize the Word of God over culture. And as we do that, I'm going to tell you what, as we do that, it will begin to be reflected in our speech. Because what we have here is a gospel of transformation. Now, I get it. I get it. I understand why someone would be uh, uh, more influenced by uh, by culture. You know what? All of culture is, there there are decent people in the world today. There are decent people in the world today. We look at the world and we think everything is terrible. It's all going to... Pieces. There are good people. And we can be part of those good people. And we can, and, and, but, it, but, it's, but it's more than that. It's not just about being good and kind. Because that's what's led us down a road toward a theology that is more defined by culture than it is by the Bible. Well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I want to be compassionate. 
I want to be tolerant. I want to be accepting. I want to be all of these things. And and that's not a bad thing to want to be. We are called to be people of grace and mercy. In fact, we just looked at a, at, at, at a bit of scripture uh, not that long ago where it says mercy at, at, uh, in the middle of chapter 2 in James. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Oh, I want you to be merciful toward other people. Absolutely, but I want you to be a just person as well. I want you to be a just person whose life is defined by the precepts that come from God's word. And sometimes the precepts from God's word tell us that we, make it, we need to make a stand against some things, some choices. I love my children. I don't celebrate everything that they want to do. I don't let them play in the street. What kind of father would I be? Our heavenly father, our heavenly father knows what we need. He says, if you being a, a parent know how to give good gifts to your children, you, do you think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a snake if you ask for bread? No. I'm going to give you good things. Trust me, but also trust that I created this world. You can read about it right here. It's, oh, wow, the Bible doesn't give us all the answers we want. You're right, it doesn't give us all the answers we want. The Bible never purports to be a book to tell, that tells us how God did things. It doesn't. I want to know how he did it. Well, how's it feel to want? What he does tell us is how. He tells us how to live. He tells us how to conduct our lives. He tells us how to live with one another. How to, how to, how to have a good relationship with those within our own families, in our own communities, based on the relationship that we have with God. And I'm going to tell you what, if we work on that relationship with God, it's going to help us in our relationships with one another when we do it according to the instruction manual. And when we do it according to the instruction manual, all of a sudden life starts to work. Greg Kokel said it best. His daughter came up to him and said, Dad, why do we believe in God? And he said, because God is the best explanation for the way things are. It's not the complete explanation. We don't have the complete explanation, and we want this side of eternity. But God has given us enough to enable us to trust him for the pieces that we don't yet have. I take what I do very, very seriously. And, and there are times when I tremble in preparing to deliver a sermon on Sunday mornings because I know that there are people listening to what I'm saying. And I want to accurately handle the word of God. My hope and prayer is that you also want to accurately handle your listening part. Because together, we can have an influence. Together, we can make a difference. Yes, we're living in some pretty dark times right now. And I grieve but the story's not over yet. The story won't be over until Jesus returns, and nobody knows when that's going to be. We can't sit around hoping for a better past, nor can we sit around and say, Lord, just take me now. I'm done. I want to be done. But God hasn't said, you're done yet, David. The responsibilities weigh heavily upon me. I hope also upon you. 
as we work together, as we wrestle together with God's authority and the Spirit's authority, we will recognize our Master's voice and live lives that are being transformed day by day. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. A friend of mine once said, I've shared this with you before, that if a church is growing, it's either doing something right or it's doing something wrong. It's easy to fill sanctuaries if you tell people what they want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And if it's not coming from Scripture, challenge me on it. Because that's the only way that we're going to keep each other honest and recognize that the gospel in the Word of God, written, incarnate, proclaimed, is a gospel of transformation. Yes, God loves us where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us where we are because he wants so much more for us. And that more can only come through spiritual maturity. Our spiritual maturity is reflected in our speech. Our speech is reflective of what we learn and what we believe. It is the theology that we communicate to the world. My charge and my challenge to us is let us communicate a theology that is biblically based. We gather to worship. We go forth to serve in God's kingdom. And as we go forth, we bless each other with the blessing of Aaron. If you know somebody, if, you know, if you're with somebody and you know it, turn toward them and just speak it into their lives. If you read it, speak it to me. I'll speak it back to you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And all God's people said... Amen.
short videos that I watched. Okay, this is why you can start with the national TikTok. 